Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. This morning, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be finishing out chapter 2. So go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be talking this morning mainly about peace. Uh, I made the statement last week as we were kind of wrapping up that, you know, one of the traits of a renewed mind is that we, um, you know, we, we live with this sense of peace that passes all understanding in our trust and our relationship with God. And I made the statement that, you know, one of the areas that we struggle with from a peace standpoint is that when we're facing a storm in our life, we want God to speak peace to that storm. And that's fine. I, that's what I pray to. But sometimes, maybe even most of the time, maybe God is wanting to speak peace in us, to us, in the midst of the storm, instead of calming the storm itself. Maybe He wants to calm us, give peace to us, instead of calming everything that's happening around us. So with that being said, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 17 through 22 this morning. And He came... And preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray together this morning. God, I pray uh, that the reading of Your Word was pleasing. God, I pray that as we dive into Your Word, into this passage this morning, that You would uh, open our hearts, open our ears, open our spirits to receive the challenge, the comfort, the conviction that your word always brings to us. Father, I pray this morning that you would use your Holy Spirit and speak through me. Uh, God, allow my voice to be your instrument. Allow my words to be the audible expression of the truth that we find in your word. I pray that you remove me and my opinions and my thoughts as much as possible and allow your spirit to speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So peace, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of listening over these past couple weeks as to what is biblical peace. How can we define biblical peace? And I ran across one article that probably kind of gave a summary of what biblical peace was to about the best of, of what I felt like it could be articulated And that definition was this, biblical peace is the cessation of hostility and the deepening of relationship, of fellowship. So basically, when there's peace from a biblical sense in our life, then it ceases the hostility that's there, 
and it builds and increases fellowship. Now, we're going to talk about the different types of biblical peace that we see here in a minute, but I want to kind of give you a little bit of a personal example. I want to give you part of my testimony this morning in regards to God calming me in the midst of a storm instead of God calming the storm. And some of you may have heard this before, and if you have, I apologize, just bear with me. Some of you may be aware of the situation that I'm, I'm going to be articulating to you and telling you about, but just stay with me for just a few moments because I want to share part of my testimony with you. Many of you know that as a younger person in my age range of 12 to 14, that I lost a younger sister to cancer. She was seven years old when she passed away. Uh, she passed away on Valentine's Day of 1990. Then a year and a half roughly later, the day after Thanksgiving, my dad passes away at 44 years old of a massive heart attack just after playing football in the yard with me and my friends. So after my dad passed that, that, that day, uh, which still is just a whirlwind in my mind, I remember being in a vehicle following the ambulance. I remember sitting at the hospital just hoping beyond hope that, that a miracle had happened. And then I remember you know, them coming out, giving us the, the news. I remember going home that night. It felt like it took me forever to go to sleep. And I just remember praying, God, I don't understand this. And still, to this day, 30, -some year, you know, 30 years later, I don't understand it. I don't. But I remember praying, God, I don't understand this. But I know that I need to lean on you. I know that I need to trust you. And I know that you're the only one that can get me through this. So I need something. I need something. And this was one of the things that my dad had taught me through the experience of, of my sister passing away with, with cancer. Is I asked God, I was like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in any place to make demands of you. But I just ask you, just let me know somehow that it's going to be okay. Just how, how, how I just need to know. And I remember finally falling asleep that night. And I remember having a dream. And I don't know what your feelings are about God giving you dreams, whether you believe He can do it or not. I'm not here to argue that point. doesn't matter what you feel that way. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God gave me a dream to speak peace into the situation. We were, I dreamt that we were at my house, and I was laying on the couch in my assigned position, you know, where the families, we all have that, that assigned place. My mom was sitting in her place, as she, you know, had been assigned. And I remember in my dream, my dad came walking through with a moon pie in one hand and an RC cola in the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm preaching, right? Yeah, like, you've never tried the combination of an RC cola and a moon pie as much as I enjoy like eating clean and stuff. Y'all try that. All right, it's good stuff. But I remember him coming in. He, he did his nightly thing of eating his moon pie and his RC cola. And then I remember him going over and talking to mom for a little bit. He came over and he talked to me. And we were just having regular conversation. Towards the, towards the end of the conversation, he looked at me and he said, Son, it's as much as I hate to, it's time for me to go. I've, I've got to go. And I knew what that meant. 
And I remember just pleading with my dad. Dad, please, we need you. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this, please. And I, remember, and, I, and I remember asking him the question, can you not just stay? And he looked at me and he said, son, if I stay, then that means that I have to give up the thing that I have waited for my whole life. And that's being in heaven worshiping Jesus face to face. And I remember in the dream looking at him and I go, Dad, I'd never ask you to give that up in a million years. Never. And I woke up, and the reality was my dad was still gone. The storm was still there. But the one thing that had changed is that I went to bed without a peace that passes all understanding of everything that was taking place around me. But through that dream, God spoke peace into me. I still, we still, my mom and I still lived with the reality of losing a father, a husband, and a sister, and a daughter. We, we still live with that reality. But the thing that happened to me in that moment was that God spoke peace to me in the midst of the storm. And that's what I want to encourage you this morning. Whenever we see the uh, disciples on the boat, Jesus is asleep. And the disciples are freaking out because there's a hurricane-type storm that comes through. And they rush down and they wake Jesus up. He gets up, he speaks peace, and he calms the storm, the raging sea, everything just settles. And then he makes this statement, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. Now, I don't know. One of the things, one of the things that, that crosses my mind is that maybe, maybe Jesus wasn't questioning their faith because they couldn't calm the storm, but maybe He was questioning their faith because they weren't allowing themselves to be calmed in the midst of the storm. They didn't have that peace that passes all understanding. Now, as we have been going through the book of Ephesians, what we've seen is Paul has talk, began talking about in chapter 2, he's really started targeting the unity in the body of Christ. The unity within the local church at Ephesus. They were having some issues. We talked about these last week, so I'm not going to rehash. If you didn't hear that, then I encourage you to go back and listen. Because Paul is addressing this division that we see taking place amongst the Jews and the Gentiles. And he's building on this, and we're going to see that Paul makes a, a shift here in just a few moments in verse 19. But first, let, let's break down what verses 17 and 18 are saying. That he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. If you go back and look at verse 14 in chapter 2, it says that Jesus Christ is our peace. So what he's telling us here is that peace came and preached peace to those that were far and those that were near. So Jesus, peace Himself, came and preached peace to everyone. That's what He's offered. Now in the Bible, there are, from what I can find, there are four different types of peace. You have redemptive peace. You have peace within the body of Christians, the body of believers. Then you have personal peace, and then you have world peace. 
And I'm just going to interject the side note that three out of the four are promises. And once we're done today, I think you're going to see which one is not necessarily a quote-unquote promise in our time. But Paul's talked about in pretty much the entirety of chapter 1 about the redemptive peace, about the peace that we have that's been made between us and God via the blood of Jesus Christ. We can now be at peace in our relationship with our Heavenly Father because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, the atonement that He made, the price that He paid upon the cross of Calvary to satisfy the wrath of God and the judgment of God at that point and the justice for the sin in our lives. We have peace through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and you don't obtain peace with God any other way than through Jesus Christ. Amen? And I hope that that's something that you can at least walk away with in part from each and every time we're here together on Sunday morning because that's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus Christ. There's, like Mandy said, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make you good enough. There's nothing that you can do that's going to qualify you. There's not a level of okay that you're going to be that God just says, okay, oh, look, he's okay now. I'll let him in. No, the best person possible still falls woefully short of being worthy of being in right relationship with God. But it's through Jesus Christ that we're all made that way. So it's only through him that we have the redemptive peace. Then we have corporate peace, which is what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ living in unity, living in peace. So that's what verses 17 and 18 are talking about. That he's peace has come and preached peace to those who were outside and those who were inside. So everyone. But then there's this third element of biblical peace. And that's personal peace. And that's what I kind of want to take a few moments and spend some time on this morning. Because this is really important that even though Paul's talking about right here, he's talking about biblical peace within the body of Christ. I want to submit to you that there can't be peace in here as a body unless there's peace in here. And unless there's peace in you. So, it's not that Christ brings peace, or it's not that He spoke peace, or that He preached peace. Verse 14 tells us that He is peace. So that's a foundational part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? It's peace. That's who He is. So I kind of want to talk to you about this cornerstone reference. As he's talking about, we're going to see how the body's built up, but later on in this passage we see where it says that the foundation is on the apostles and the prophets, the teaching, the doctrine, the sound theology, the presentation of the gospel. Then he says that the chief cornerstone is Christ Jesus, is Jesus himself. So I'm going to ask the, the green men, if they would, to come up here. They, they've so willingly... Uh, accepted my invitation to come up here and, and do an illustration for me. Actually, it was 30 seconds before service started. I was like, hey, I need you guys to do this, all right? All right, so if you guys would just stand right up here. All right, now stand side by side and face everyone. Handsome fellows, aren't they? All right, so um, there's a little bit of a size difference here, right? Just a little bit. So I want to talk to you about our foundation of peace. 
And this personal peace of understanding that, listen, sometimes God will calm the storm. But other times, God is going to calm you in the midst of the storm. And we need to make sure that our relationship with Him is built upon His peace. So, Jacob, if you wouldn't mind, just put your heels together like this. All right. Are you ready, buddy? Are you ready? All right. Now, what I want you to do, I, gave, I asked him, I said, you want a chance to shove your dad in front of the whole church? He was a little less enthusiastic when I thought. He's like, I guess. Anyhow, now I want you to take just one hand, and I want you to put it on his shoulder, and I want you to push him as hard as you can, okay? All right, now let's, let's do that again, the exact same situation. All right, push him as hard as you can. All right, so even with the size difference, right, there is a way that he can move his dad. Now I want, I want you to do a role reversal. Now, don't send him flying, okay? <laughs> All right. So I put your feet, to put your heels together. He's got some hay dudes on. That's my guy right there. Those things are the greatest thing ever. If you've never gotten a pair of hay dudes in your life, try them. All right. So now, Jacob, push him. Okay. All right. So a little bit of a difference there. A little bit of a difference. Now, now put, your, put your feet like shoulder width apart. Like, get them a little bit wider than that. Okay. Now, Jacob, shove him again. <laughs> all right so now let's do the same thing we 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 just saw so jacob you put your feet shoulder with what now you try to shove your dad again okay see what's changed there the foundation right the foundation that no matter if the thing that you're facing is a lot bigger and has a lot less hair than you sorry i can say that because you know i mean <laughs> And I have discovered with all the cameras, there is no camera that I can escape one of my bald spots. That's all I'm saying. But no matter how much bigger it is than you, no, much how, no matter how much stronger it is than you personally, when your foundation is solid, go ahead and put your feet out again. Jacob, just continue to try to move him. When the foundation is solid, you don't, you're, you're not moved. You're not shaking. You're not thrown out of control. Thank you, gentlemen. You can go be seated. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. There. So see, what happens is, is when we have this foundation of Jesus Christ and we understand this concept of biblical peace in our life, what we're doing with each moment that peace operates in our lives, our foundation is getting a little bit wider and a little bit wider and a little bit wider. And whenever the enemy comes, whenever the storms of life come, whenever the trials, tribulations, situations and circumstances in our life that are beyond our control, that we would rather not go through, when they come through and they start pushing on us, when our foundation is solid, then we become that house that's built on the rock. But whenever we begin to compromise our peace, whenever our focus is taken off of Jesus Christ, and have you ever noticed that, especially within the body of believers, that the more calamity that's happening, the more we tend to rally together and experience peace together? And here's what I mean by that. Even 
if we take one of these two gentlemen and their foundation has been compromised, let's say they're, you know, and we all have them. We all have seasons in our lives where we get weak, where we get weary, where things begin to push us to and fro. I could have put someone, a brother or sister in Christ, on the other side of them, and even though they had their feet together, maybe their foundation was weak at that point, if they had someone holding them up, if they had someone supporting them, if they had someone helping them then that pushing, that situation, you can withstand underneath it. You see, in my situation, I remember waking up that next day after my dad passed away and having that dream and feeling this peace, but still yet processing through all of this what life was going to look like without him there and without my sister there. I remember being paid a visit by several of my church family at the time because during that day I felt like I woke up with this peace that solidified my foundation. But as the day went on and as the realities were setting in, I felt my foundation getting weaker and weaker. But with every brother and sister in Christ that came along my side, that called, that reached out to me and my mother and was there for us and praying for us and supporting us, then we had someone stacking up to the side of us. We had a family surrounding us that no matter how weak our foundation may have gotten in that moment, that we had a support system that was there. Does that make sense? Have you ever been there in your life where you are just absolutely weak in your foundation? You may have been rocked to your core by something that has either happened or is still happening, but your brothers and sisters in Christ have come alongside of you. And they've encouraged you. They've lifted you up. They've prayed for you. And that's where we get to verse 19 here. Because Paul gives us what this looks like. If you'll notice that verse 19 starts with, so then. So then. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him... You are, also, you are also built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Just let me interject something here. Your Christian walk is bigger than you. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is bigger than you. You may have heard it, you may have even said it. All I need is me and Jesus. You know, in moments that's true, and, and overall that sounds really good. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. You see, I need me, and I definitely need Jesus. But I need each and every one of you too. Because God is, one of the translations says that He is making us become fitly joined together. I want to tell you another story. Uh, Rachel and I, um, she's, she's in this weekend, so I can, it's not an embarrassing story on you. This was actually one on me this time. She loves it. Being a preacher's kid is fantastic. I mean, we just, she loads me up with material all the time. But one winter, we, uh, we decided we were going to do a crossword puzzle. Okay? And there's a couple household rules. Uh, she or I, neither one, have the most patient of dispositions. Okay? I know, those of you who know me, it's difficult to believe. But there's a couple rules in our household. The number one rule is, Miss Kimmy, what is the number one rule? Ben wins. 
in wins. And that's the only concrete rule. Any other subsequent rule can be made up on the spot in order that rule number one is achieved. Okay? Rachel feels like rule number one should be Rachel wins. But she gets outvoted. So we're doing this crossword puzzle. And I don't know how... Is there anybody in here that enjoys crossword puzzles? Go ahead, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. It's okay. I don't know how you do it. I just, I don't know how you do it. But we're putting this thing together. And, you know, we do the, the, the right strategy you're supposed to do, do the corners and the outside first and then work your way in. And we get the majority of it done. And there's like this one piece. We've still got a little pile here, but there's this like one piece in the top right corner that I just can't find. Rachel can't find. No one can find. And then there's this one piece over here that we've identified that is so close. I mean, it's so close to being the exact right shape. It's so close to being the exact right color and having the color grading and the shades and everything just perfect. And it should fit there. But guess what? It doesn't. So I walk by this puzzle about 12 times in a row just thinking that piece has got to go there. Piece has got to go there. Until one day, I was so frustrated, I decided that piece goes there. The puzzle maker made a mistake. It's the people who produced this that were wrong. It's not me. So I took that piece, I set it right there, and I took my fist. And bam! About three times on it. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Done. Now let's finish this thing. But then, that kind of task-driven, perfectionist-type thing in me of wanting things to be right started to irritate me after a while, walking by there and looking, knowing that piece didn't fit there. So I decide, all right, take it out. So I, be, I, I try to take it out, and, and guess what? <laughs> I can't get it out. <laughs> it's stuck in there. For some reason, the force had actually caused it to get stuck. So what I wind up doing is I go and get a steak knife. Take it and I pry all around it until finally I pop it loose. And I pick it up and I look at it and it was in that moment that God began to teach me a lesson. Especially a leadership pastoral lesson. That, you know what, sometimes in your life or in someone else's life, it may look like it's an exact fit. It may look like it's where you need to be. It may look like this is the place for you. But what I had done to that, to that puzzle is I had taken it and I had forced a piece of the puzzle into a place that it was never meant to go. And when I did that, for me to correct that in order to get it out, I not only damaged the individual piece, but I also damaged the puzzle. So being forced into a place that you're never designed or meant to be not only runs the risk of damaging you, but it, ruins, it, it, it runs the risk of damaging the body. So that's where we kind of get into this statement of God fitly joining us together. Now, I'm not a construction guy. And, and I think that most all of you know that. If you've seen me trying to build something, don't trust it. Okay? Uh, if I've helped you around here with anything, you know I'm the guy that's best to, hey, Ben, would you go run and get something? That, that's my role. 
But I know, that, I know enough about building and construction to know that there is a big difference between building something out of brick and then building something out of stone. You see, with the brick, everything is uniform. All pieces are the same. It's not really a matter of which brick needs to go where. It's just give me the next brick. And what we do is we, we put it down there. We build a wall because it's brick by brick, brick by brick because they're all uniform. And it doesn't matter in what order you put them. But if you've ever seen someone build something out of stone, then there's an art to it. There's a step back and have to look at it and design it. Okay, does this stone fit there? No. And see, the danger with me building a building is like I would lose patience just like I did with the jigsaw. Did I call it a crossword puzzle earlier? I thought I did. That's been nagging at me. Have you ever like been talking, but something in the back of your head is like, hey, 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 dummy, uh, you didn't say that right. right. Crosswords are the devil too. Right? I'll just say that. Jigsaw puzzles are even more so. But anyhow, I'm kind of, I would be the same with that as what I was with the jigsaw puzzle, is that I don't have the patience to put this together. And then what you end up doing is if the stone doesn't fit just right, then you end up having to put more material in between the stones to get it to fit together, and that compromises the strength and the integrity of the, of the building, of what you're building. Folks, your personal peace, and here's the reason I'm telling you all of this, is because for us to achieve true peace as a body of believer, true unity as the bride of Christ as a local church, as a local congregation, then we all need to be in the place where God wants us. Doing what He wants us to do. That's when peace is obtainable within the body. But unless we're at peace in our own selves, we're at peace with God, and we're experiencing personal peace, then we're never going to achieve what God wants for His church to achieve. And can I just remind you, I still believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has amazing things planned for First Church. I believe He is building, continually building. He's been building for 150 years and He's continuing to build something absolutely amazing here. And you and I are part of it. This master builder as he's described, is using us as living stones and putting us together in a way that brings him glory. And that's what he's talking about. Built together into a dwelling place for God. God doesn't always calm the storms in your life. He doesn't always speak peace to the storms in your life. But he does promise peace for you peace that passes all understanding and all thanksgiving with all knowledge of him giving him thanks and praise and glory for everything he gives us this peace that passes all understanding